On this week's episode of the We've Seen That Podcast, we're talking about the little things. I'm Scott. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jim. music we are back for our 20th episode of the we've seen that podcast anthony said right before the show every episode every episode is a milestone and i tend to agree right i mean it's one more movie podcast than i ever thought i'd ever do each week so let's keep it rolling i think that that could be our slogan, honestly. Like one more than we ever thought we'd get. That you would, know? That's a good one, I think. When you come yeah. up with the merch, Scott, that can be one of the T-shirts. Oh, <laughs> when I that's come the up way with to the go. Merch. I've already got like six in the queue. Um, I wanted to start off with a little bit of a story, and I haven't told you guys this yet. Um, but I I had mentioned before the show to Anthony and Jim that I'm borderline brain dead right now. You know, I'm in the the back end, at the ass end of March, going right into February, and if anybody knows anything, that's a... It's that's a, January, bud. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you know what I meant. Um, this is a great example Clearly, of where yeah. my brain's at. Um, but so to, to top it off, I, I got to tell you, a while back, my TV shit out, our 55-inch TCL TV just straight up would stop turning on, screen would turn green. She was done. And uh, we were we were watching TV on Cassie's 32-inch TV for a while, and boy, is that a big old difference maker. And to top, and to top off how, how my brain has just been fluff, I walk inside to our apartment yesterday. I grab the remote to the old TV of Cassie's. It's 32-incher. I'm pressing the power button staring directly at a TV. It is not the TV that is Cassie's. Cassie surprised me with a 65-inch Vizio that was staring Holy me directly wow. in the face. And I was trying to turn on the old one the entire time. Cassie's filming me, and then I just go, holy fuck! Because I figured out that it wasn't that TV, and it was a different TV. It took me no less than about 20 minutes to realize there was a new TV in our living room. That's where my brain's at, boys. So, Dude, she's a keeper, man. Oh, That's absolutely. That's the moral of this story. So when, when, when the TV shit out, she kept saying, we can't get a new TV because we got to... We got to wait to see what our house is going to look like, whatever. And I was like, fine, whatever. And then she goes out, does some research on it, talks to one of my buddies of what TV to get. So shout out to Cassie for pulling that shit off because, boy, was I not expecting that. So um, watched watched the little things on a little bit of a nicer TV for sure. Uh, It didn't really help the movie, but, you know, it was (laughs) it was it was it was an exciting thing. So, um the, let's let's roll right into what we're watching. Uh, you know what, Anthony? We're going to start with you. Start with me. All right. I'll save the WandaVision talk for later once we get to Jim because I'm kind of caught up with you guys now, except for this newest episode. So I've watched the first three. But um, <laughs> the other day I watched 
the 1987 classic movie The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. <laughs> it is, you know, I am such a huge Arnold fan. Scott probably knows this. Yeah. I literally yep. will watch anything of his from, like, the 80s to, like, the, you know, early to mid-90s. Just a great Predator, Terminator fan. Like, I'm all in. Like, I'm on record of saying Terminator 2 is definitely in my top five movies of all time. I think it is arguably the greatest action movie of all time. Um, but that could be up for debate. Uh, yeah. So just to give you a little rundown of what this movie's about, if nobody has seen it, um, in a dystopian America, a falsely convicted policeman gets, gets his shot at freedom when he must forcibly participate in a TV game show where convicts runners must battle killers for their freedom. It is completely over the top. It's on HBO Max, if anybody wants to stream it. Um, and it's just everything you'd ever ask for in an Arnold's, Arnold 80s action movie. Completely over the top, great one-liners, <laughs> and just ridiculous kills. Well, I, I, I love to hear it. I do know Anthony is a very big Arnold fan, um... But but I mean I love any sort of uh, action eighties movie with over the top kills so you got you have me sold right there. What would you rate it, man? I this is probably falls into like a seven Arnold movie for me, seven out of ten. Nothing too spectacular, but enough to keep me entertained. And I don't think I honestly, I mean I'm sure there's some movies of his I haven't seen that I might not like, but like I it's hard pressed for me to rate any of those movies under a seven. I'm very biased <laughs> because I just I have so much fun watching them. I wouldn't ever rate it, you know, low. Well, and I feel like for a '70s '80s action movie, seven is a really like sweet spot score there. Right. You know, I mean, it's not great, but you're having a hell of a time watching it, which is what matters for sure. For sure. All right, Jim, let's go to what you were you were watching because this is going to involve all of us. So, let's... well, first one is I've been watching The Bachelor with Angela. Oh, so have I. I forgot about that. Yes, I'm in on that as well. Oh. Okay, so did you see the episode where they just brought in five additional girls? So and now I, the one chick, Anna, is saying that Brittany is a hooker. I have I it's have bad. A, I have a very I have a very, very, very upset take about that. Like, you cannot say you think someone is a hooker if you do not have definitive <laughs> proof that they are like you no cannot, i'm right there with you man it's like, bad and she was like oh she she might she might have be doing this on the side like but then she just straight up goes she's prostituting herself and i'm like ah okay you can't be doing that so you know whatever but it, it, anyway yeah no it, it's it's just a I'm I'm the firm believer at this point that ABC is just planting these people. I cannot fathom. Oh, they have that. to be. It's it's getting so over the top ridiculous to me. So, um, I I but I don't think Matt's a pretty boring guy too, and he's he, like he's he's normal, but like he doesn't have that flary personality that like some of the bachelorettes do or whatever, and it shows just so over the top at this point. It's ridiculous. Well, and I mean, you know, the interviews that they have them do ahead of time or, like, the questionnaires that they got to fill out, it's all, like, to try and determine what kind of personalities are going to make for good TV, right? Yeah. It's not truly about finding whoever's going to be best with this dude. Well, and I just, sure. 
I get such a kick out of watching it. It makes me laugh my ass off. Well, it's it's one of those shows that like you watch and it instantly feel better about yourself. I'm convinced that's why it's such a big thing in America is because people are like, well, at least I'm not that dumb type, you know, <laughs> at times. That's just until it gets to like the final four. Then it gets pretty normal, but it, it these ones are ridiculous when they're you can tell the producers are like keep her around you you have to give her a rose send the other ones packing that you don't care about but like she's got to stay i'm talking about victoria here jim because there's no chance that's the one that's the queen yeah she wears a crown literally calls herself a queen you can't tell me somebody wants to date that (laughs) i'm so glad she's a complete that i can come to this and listen to you guys so i can get my bachelor fix because i've never seen it (laughs) this is just good enough better than watching it i think watching you listening to you guys talk about it i think i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure it's never something i ever thought i would enjoy watching until i it was during busy season i used to come home and angie would be watching it and i'm not gonna like ask her to change it i just sit my ass on the couch (laughs) yeah exactly like come busy season i don't care what's on tv i'll just sit down and like absorb colors on tv at that point you know like i don't really care what i'm watching could be anything honestly so um but like uh well i'll lead off the uh the wandavision discussion because guys i think this is a this is a freaking slam dunk for disney plus um i've had a lot of fun with it so far the comedy hits super well i think with the the sitcom vibes that you have in it and then that mysterious factor that they, they're kind of throwing into this with Wanda and Vision is is it's building something I think for sure. Well, Thus far, I've really enjoyed the like sitcom episodes, like you said, and it seems like they're doing like a separate decade each time: fifties, sixties, seventies, and it sounds like we got eighties and nineties next. So that could be really cool. Yeah, I've definitely enjoyed that. Like, because it starts off, you know, I will admit the first episode may have been a little slow, but like each one. With each decade, like Jim just said, we kind of get into, like, the weirdness just kicks up, like, the odd happenings that, like, either Wanda notices primarily, at least I've seen so far in the first three episodes, like, just starts to intensify. So this last episode I saw, you know, in the third, when she, like, somehow, spoiler alert, like, teleports that chick like out of the realm somehow (laughs) like i'm just like what the (laughs) fuck is going on so it's clear like at least with that they're trapped in some sort of paralleled universe i would assume Mm -hmm. um and like you know the happenings of the mcu continued either outside of this or or are happening you know at the same time but i don't know it's gonna be really weird and interesting to see how they kind of keep upping the ante like they have so far each episode the the fourth the fourth um is is a catch-up from the outside perspective of that like what's within so i think your last four episodes here because once you watch the fourth anthony you'll you'll know what i'm talking about i think they're gonna be amazing because now you have both parallels connected to the exact same stopping point so i'm very curious to see where they're gonna go from there and there's a big thing that happens in the end of the fourth episode as well that you will also see, Anthony, that really kind of tells you what we were thinking from the beginning is probably somewhat true. But uh, I digress. Hmm. So um, I don't want to talk too much about it and spoil it, but I'll be honest, didn't like episode four. Jim, why? <laughs> 
We like, can't talk about I, I don't, it. I don't want to say more before Anthony watches it, but I, I want to discuss next week for Save sure for on why week. I didn't like it. Scott's going to okay. come, come with a vengeance next week, I think. Well, I know, right? He's going to sit on yeah. this all week and see. I know he is. This, is. this is one of those shows where I feel like I... I wasn't, like, the first one to watch it of people that I know, but I was very vocal about telling people, like, you need to watch it, you need to watch it. And when you're, like, one of the first to tell someone to watch it and then they do, you want them to agree with you. And Jim is, like, one of those people who rarely fucking does. It's, like, so it's, it's like, wanting to Do you to mean to say it. I'm independent and have my own opinions? Yeah, and I hate it. That's a terrible thing to say about something. I'm the complete opposite. I go by, like... Oh, this is what the fans say, so this is probably what I'll like too. You know, I'm just I'm just a total consumer of, you know, bullshit. So, um but anyway, with that being said It's the high porn. Um where do we Jim, do we wanna start with with AMC here? Is that what we wanna start with? Yeah, so I'm sure most of our listeners are in the finance kinda area right or accounting so they've been watching the stock market a little bit as uh hedge funds are shorting shares of various companies amc and gamestop two of them and how a group of people on reddit has driven those stock prices basically through the roof i don't really give a shit about gamestop that company's dying people are buying digital (laughs) games and they're not they're not buying used games anymore that business needs to go their business model's outdated What I do like is that AMC saw their stock price going up. So rather than just letting all the trades happen with the shares that were out there, they issued more shares and made a fuckload of capital, right? So they paid off a bunch of debt now, and they they may be able to survive the pandemic. They paid off like $700 million in debt and now are not like facing bankruptcy like they had been for months and months have you seen a lot of like these social media posts of people saying can't wait for pandemic to be over so i can go into amc buy a nine dollar soda and like incredible value incredible value like (laughs) kind of being kind of kind of joking but it's just it's good to see you know obviously that'd be a big domino if it fell for movie theaters so it's good to see that um, something as ridiculous as a Reddit thread could potentially bring them back from the dead, per se. And that's so. yeah, and it's interesting. Like Jim said, GameStop or GameStop is you know it is what it is. I think there was rumors that the new CEO might try to adapt. They they might get into a, some sort of other business to try to stay afloat. I don't remember what what exactly what it was, but um, but as far as like AMC, I don't expect you know the stock can't possibly continue to rise like it is for a long but it may turn out to be not that bad of a hold going forward because like jim said this kind of saved you know their ass at least for now Mm -hmm. and as you know things start to open back up you know with amc and this new form of cash flow might be able to kind of you know at least carry on the momentum you know after this you know initial like (laughs) ridiculous reddit (laughs) blow up you know Well, and the thing is, right, like, so the stock got driven up and they issued shares. So they sold those shares at the inflated prices. Even if the stock goes down, AMC already has that cash. They don't give a shit if their stock goes all the way down to a dollar a share. Whereas, like, GameStop didn't really do anything. They just said, oh, look, the numbers are going up. (laughs) Yeah. So with all this, um, 
I know, Jim, you had said a lot of our listeners would know I'm in a group chat with Anthony and my brother Robert currently. (laughs) I like a lot of things about the stock market happening right now. What I cannot stand is when people think they know what's going to happen. What do you mean, Scott? This has created (laughs) 6 million new fucking day traders and stock yeah, market it, it, experts it's it's horrifying when when the masses think they're onto something and like so you can tell the ones that are serious like anthony the way he's texting back i can tell he's still on the side of like i have no fucking idea oh, like yeah anthony's i have no like, clue anthony, he's i'll just admit it I'm, I'm in you know yeah. in some spec like nothing to like right. that would end my life you know be smart about yeah. these people but like i'll admit like i'm in on it do i know what's yeah. gonna happen no, no. <laughs> absolutely yeah. fucking not it, my brother on the other hand he's like the type of guy who always thinks he can win the lottery so he's he's always sending back messages like nope absolutely no chance could go under this price then right out of nowhere you'll just see a random fuck like because he lost twelve hundred dollars or something (laughs) and and it's probably the most entertaining group chat ever because i'm in it for some reason because i have 150 dollars currently in the stock market so i have no like risk whatsoever because my risk appetite is like negative five so to see my brother just going through like just emotions constantly is amazing last night he was sending us snapchats of him eating spaghetti drinking spotted cow and watching wolf of wall street (laughs) so you're talking about your risk appetite and i refuse to touch gamestop at this point with a 10 foot pole because it's gotta crash it's the only place it's gonna go so i went in on amc for a little bit with these guys but then i put it all in dogecoin of all things (laughs) because like as stupid as it is if that was something that took off i could just not live with myself if like out of nowhere it became some ridiculous dollar stock because people thought it was funny like i have to be in on doge if it takes off so i'll take the 150 dollar loss if so but but you know, at I least gotta see that that's the thing about that like you can throw like ten dollars in it because it's only yeah. like two cents a share right now and if it ever right. if it ever got to a dollar you know you'd actually make a decent chunk of change and, and i think what where some of that comes from too is like of all the things we've seen last year, it, our lifetime, I wouldn't be surprised if Dogecoin just started going to the freaking moon. Like, I wouldn't. <laughs> so I need to be in on that if it, if someday I can get rich off of a, a, a meme coin. I just have to be in on that. So, um, But anyway, yeah, Anthony's right. Six million new day traders. You're seeing tweets constantly of people being like, no, hold your stock, and it's just amazing to watch. Um, it, it's kind of hard to take your eyes off of it because it seems like wherever you go, somebody's got some sort of say about it, and um, it's it's been a fun week to talk to our investment guys who are, I've asked them twice, I've been like, AMC and GameStop, and they're just like, you'll get lucky sometimes. That's what they, their <laughs> honest opinion has been about it. One of our guys at work shorted GameStop. I mean, it's just a, a crazy little time for the market so um, if that's the if that's how the market's gonna go forever i mean look out world then pull your money out yeah (laughs) you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen i'm gonna have to start keeping cash in my mattress honestly but uh anyway um next piece of hype jim you had mentioned um what what was it let me pull it up here there's a harry potter series in development at hbo and i could not care less wow i just i just they need to stop. I want a new idea out of Hollywood. 
And well, they fucked up these Fantastic Beasts so good that I don't think this is going to be good, no matter who does it. And, and is this kind of paired alongside, because they're launching that game, too? Is that maybe why they're doing a series now? Bring some hype back to it a little bit? It could be, but like this, the game is supposedly going to be separate, right? And with the nature of how an RPG works in terms mm-hmm. of the game, you're trying to create your own story, create your own character, and your decisions are supposed to have consequences in the world. Whereas they, so there's not necessarily one story outcome is the goal. Whereas like mm. obviously with the show, they're going to follow one story. And people are speculating on what it could be, whether it's the founders of Hogwarts or whether it's about the... Uh, marauders uh mooney wormtail padfoot and prongs or if it's something from like quote unquote the great wizard war that happened mm-hmm. before and like sometimes the best thing about a fandom is like when there's still some mystery left to it right yeah. like i i don't need these things explained it's why i'm probably out on any game of thrones prequel series but Ooh. i just can't care about this anymore Especially yeah. after the failures that were the Fantastic Beasts movies. Yeah, Anthony, I don't know. I, I, I think you're you're probably a guy who's seen the Harry Potters, but aren't like a huge fan. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I've seen all the movies. I I've never yeah. read the books, which is, I have nothing yeah. against. You know, I just never have. I was late to the party and like never really got around to them. So I like the movies. You know, yeah. is that safe to say that those are pretty good? I don't want to get ridiculed yeah. by that. No, statement. absolutely. Yeah. No, I yeah, think the original eight are good movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but, I don't know. Like, if anybody could make a decent show, it's probably HBO. But like mm-hmm. Jim said, I mean, I don't. I just don't know. I really, I personally don't really care for any sort of backstory or whatever this might be. You know, I mean, if it's good, yeah. if it gets raving reviews, you know, obviously I'm not going to just be a stiff and not check it out, but. You know, it'll be interesting. I'm not going to rush to my screen to, like, watch it day one, though. I I just think, like, the great news about all the stuff that just keeps coming out is we're hitting our stride in, in podcasting. Like you said today, we're on our 20th episode. Come, you know, like a few months from now, it's, like, it's a golden age of TV and movies coming out. Like, it, we are in a prime time to be delivering some awesome content, so... <laughs> No matter what, the more things that they keep getting announced, I don't care if they're ridiculous. Like, just keep pumping shit. We'll we'll consume it. You keep know? eating That's, it up. Yeah. Um, but I the 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 thing about Harry Potter is I was really into it com- in uh, you know middle school and high school. But that definitely is one you outgrow a little bit. I think. Agreed. So I think that's why your hype's a little smaller, Jim. Because I bet if if seventeen year old Jim knew this was coming out, he'd probably be fucking hyped. But now 17 year old Jim was rereading these books for like exactly. the third or fourth time. Right. But now with us being, you know, 26 and realizing it's kind of stupid, we're now on to like, say, Game of Thrones, like rewatching Lord of the Rings, you know, like that's the, the ones that we'd want the nostalgia for. We don't necessarily want the ones that involve wands and bullshit. So um, just because you mentioned Lord of the Rings, it didn't make the list for hype horn, but apparently the Amazon show has finished filming. Ooh. I don't know anything more than that. Just that the filming is finished. I'm and, and see, I'm excited about that because um, th- is that a prequel? Is that I believe so. I'm tentatively excited. Gotta yeah. be, gotta be, because we 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 deserve to see the battle for Middle Earth, don't we? Like, 
I mean, is that when it's set? I'm not even might 100% even be sure that that was confirmed. That. Before? Okay. So, okay. I don't know. It. I'm excited. I just... This is just... Because the way Game of Thrones did me so dirty is just... I love this... All of us. Like, freaking... I love fantasy world, like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. That's the stuff I eat up. And good writing. Anything good... You know, it's so it's just a stupid statement to say because like obviously you're gonna watch something if it's good, but like those movies, the original trilogy and like the first six seasons of Game of Thrones were like it's some of the best entertainment I've I've ever, mm-hmm. you know, devoured. So like if you can tell me they're gonna do this right and you know, you you don't have some sort of like fast tracked, you know, show just to try to hit and money grab, you know, like yeah, I'm pumped. I'll admit it. Like, I'll take any more Lord of the Rings I can get. Mm-hmm. This, how, compli- how complex the books were written, there's so many paths that they could take with this. And it, it, you haven't explored enough of the world of the lore that is Lord of the Rings. So I, I think that it's a wide opportunity. But the problem when you have that wide of a net is sometimes it gets out of hand. So hopefully Right, sometimes can... you can't maintain your scope. Right, right. Okay, Jim, what was the next piece of hype? Next piece, a new trailer dropped for a movie called The Courier, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. In the Cold War, a normal businessman is sent by the British government to uh, Moscow to steal secrets, posing as a British businessman. We all watched the trailer shortly before recording, so I want to know what your guys' thoughts on it are. I'm a massive Benedict Cumberbatch fan. Benedict Cumberbatch. You're fan. one of the Cumberbitches. Mm-hmm. I am a Cumberbitch. Is that a thing? I didn't. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I before. don't know. They said it on SNL once, and I. I, I think like it's it. Hilarious. Yeah, I'm a Cumberbitch. Sure. Have you guys um, seen but... his show, The Sherlock Show? Yeah, I amazing. really yeah. liked it. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, the. The him and uh, who's uh, who plays Moriarty in that? Martin. Uh, oh no, I would thought you were gonna say Watson. Watson yeah. is played by Martin Short. I don't know who the hell plays Moriarty. He's fun, but um, yeah, no, I'm excited. I, I like anything Cold War related. So I like anything war related, honestly. So it, I'll, I'll probably watch it. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of that um, Bridge of Spies movie that came out a couple years ago with Tom Hanks. Yep. That was pretty good. Yep. So like, yeah, I mean, Cold War like is always a super interesting timepiece you know that they that they try to tackle in movies and yeah i mean it looked the trailer looked good it had enough suspense i think to draw you in and kind of like yeah if they can make that suspense and like tenseness hold the whole time right. i think it could be really successful for sure yeah yeah and there was, was there one more piece there's one last piece kind of a big piece <laughs> ah. supposedly there was a report by someone working on the obi-wan show that liam neeson has signed on to come back as qui-gon okay this is big um, <laughs> boys this is like i mean come on we're excited about this right absolutely yeah yeah it could, i mean, I mean it's ahead, gonna be yeah. interesting to see if it's like just gonna be a little bit of fan service and like a one scene thing but I just, like I've stated earlier on this podcast, I'm just a huge fan of, like, continuity. Like, if it makes sense, mm-hmm. and if it's possible, but, like, you know, this is going to be, like, 20 years pushing since Liam Neeson has reprised this role, so we'll, we'll see how they make him look. But, like, if, if time is okay and the actors aren't totally aged out, like, I love when they use, like, the same person. I just cannot stand, yeah. like, recasting, you know, if... 
if possible. Trying to I'm, recast it would be a fucking train wreck. Right, that's what I mean. So, like, I'm all for, like, little news bits like this, like, if if it's true. Um, well, good news with that is, has Liam Neeson aged? Not really. <laughs> if you can get that wig back on him, you're gonna be just fine. Like, well, and think about it, from when the first episode came out, or, like, when it was set, to, like, when this is set, it's been, like, 30 years or something. Yeah. You know, because this is set when Obi-Wan is on Tatooine. So he's so, yeah. going to be like Force Ghost. Because what are the rumors? I he would have to be. He's a dead. lot of, uh, oh, yeah. um, I've heard like a lot of like just rumors or like theory videos that I've seen on like YouTube about how like Qui-Gon, maybe Jim would know this better. He had like a really deep understanding of the Force that a lot of Jedis like didn't and like was he like understood like becoming a force ghost like before even like we saw Obi-Wan well, and there's or Yoda. a throwaway line from Yoda in episode three where he says uh your old master has now become one with the force like right at the end um uh-huh. and so that was part of why Obi-Wan was going to Tatooine to kind of exile is to try and commune with Qui-Gon is what mm-hmm. I understood gotcha. so okay it he's dead for sure basically right. is kind of what yoda confirms seeing as sometimes when people get cut in half in star wars that's not the end of them <laughs> um yeah. and so it, it must be a force ghost i'm wondering if it'll just be narration to some degree or if it'll be on screen or how they'll do it but i'm pretty jacked about this yeah i think it could be super cool for sure yeah no i i i I feel like um, after rewatching the Duel of Fates lightsaber battle, I'm all about getting these two back together. So, um, a- absolutely all about it. One thing I wanted to add into Hyporn is, like, I wanted to do what's coming up on um, HBO movies because there's a bunch of them coming from Warner Brothers. That's right, isn't it? Right, uh, Warner Brothers okay. owns HBO. So one of the one of the ones that's more recently coming is going to be judas and the black messiah that's coming february 12th and that's a movie about the black panther party i think that'll be pretty damn interesting um and then coming in february late february is going to be the tom and jerry um live action movie now okay i wanted to re-talk about that tom and jerry live action movie that's why i brought this up i keep seeing previews it doesn't look that bad now that I keep seeing previews about it. Okay, there's some silence here, but, like, <laughs> it looks like it's still going to have a little bit of the fun Tom and Jerry in it. I don't know. So We'll see. The we'll cartoon have... is such a classic. We should double feature the two of those. They'd go, they'd go well together. Oh, it's so different. <laughs> <laughs> Can't, yeah, but that's, that's so crazy that there's just going to be new movies coming to our TVs every two weeks. Like, that's, that's so... Yeah. And they're not, the Godzilla, they're not shitty. The Godzilla Kong yeah. trailer dropped. We didn't really talk about that, but... That one, that the looks, movie drops at the end of March. Yeah, that looks pretty... We're going to... That's just... We're going to... I might have, have to go that see that movie. one in theater, to be honest. Yeah, yep. I keep forgetting that they're not just dropping the TV. They're still going to be in theaters. Yeah, so I got right. still su- we still got to support our boys at Marcus. That's right. And AMC. And AMC yeah. if you have one near you. Right. But yeah. I, yeah. If you need some advertising, we cater to both Marcus and AMC. Any theater, yeah, right. actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we'll do GameStop, too, when you guys do your spinoff of uh, your GameStop podcast or whatever. So, um, hmm. but yeah, that... 
I just want to. I think we'll keep that running a little bit as as uh, the March movies roll out. We'll talk about when those are coming out too. But uh, it's it's gonna be a fun time for movies. So, all right, Jim, we're going right. We're gonna be going right into the review, and I'm gonna be handing off to Jim. And Jim, I didn't tell you why uh, I wanted to hand this one off to you. It comes from the whole uh, my brain is dead right now. So I think I'm going to be good to go again next week. But like as I was watching this movie, I was like, man, I am not taking great notes right now. And I was like, Jim, can you handle this one? Jim stepped up to the plate. So we're going to let Jim roll with it. So you've got it now. Let's be frank. There's kind of a small amount of things that happen in the overall movie it's a little slow it's, and we'll it, see that as we get into it yeah i i had said to you guys this could be our quickest review i feel like because it not a lot happens in this movie it's not very quick. yeah there's a lot of filler scenes again it seems yeah and i just yep. yeah i like one question off the top is this movie is this a movie about like denzel eating at diners because I feel like that happens yeah. like seven times. <laughs> it's it's funny because there's a couple scenes where he's saying, we'll meet you in the morning for breakfast as he's going to dinner. I it's know, like, that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> it's like seven different times I see him like going for coffee with someone or literally breakfast or out to dinner. And the thing that like, always kills me about movies like this is like, can you catch a drink or can you catch dinner? Like what time? fucking it's like 12 o'clock at night i feel like and they're just like going to the diner like and having their little like side meeting i don't know well and if they're cops right i mean you know people generally don't get killed in the middle of the day so you got to come work in the middle of the night sometimes yeah, that means true. you eat late <laughs> yeah anyways here is our uh imdb info it's the little things it was released in 2021 obviously just this past week um, on HBO through the 28th of February and currently in theaters. Synopsis, two cops track down a serial killer. Written and directed by John Lee Hancock, <laughs> starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. I mean, they're That's not wrong. That's <laughs> the best one we've ever done. <laughs> and it's the most accurate. It's, it's not even words. cool. Oh. It's perfect, though. Gosh. Fuck yeah, IMDb. Come on. Love it. <laughs> Love maybe it's it. just because it's brand new and maybe they're still working on it but I mean, no that's literally it though there, there's nothing more so god that's funny <laughs> right so we start with kind of a random scene here we're given a title card october 1990 there's a girl driving along the road and a car appears to be following her it mm. it continues following where finally i believe it comes alongside her and just zooms past right mm -hmm. and then you know eventually she pulls over at a gas station where this man gets out follows her there's no one here at this gas station and kills her and um yeah so i think we do eventually learn in this movie they find her body but i don't really like recall it just clicking in my head like oh there she is so they don't give you a good shot of her, right? Like, she's driving right. on a country road with little light. So, I mean, I had some tough times recognizing some of the dead people because there's more than one of them. Um, yeah. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I had a major problem with that. Right. Yeah, well, I don't... I, I didn't think the scene was necessary is, is what I'm... I mean, well, I guess you're kind of trying to introduce there's a killer in town, basically. But, um, you know... You don't learn anything about the killer. Uh, oh, wait. 
Was this Leto's car? It's hard to tell. Oh, and I guess I'm not sure because we but find it out it was like a big muscle car. Yeah, I mean, we find out too. Eventually, he owned two and got rid of one at some okay. point. So, but but in, you know, we'll talk about who who yeah. the killer yep. is. You know, later on yep. in the pod, anyway. So I I. Well, I, I one of the cars he owned was like a junker and then the other one was like a really nice green i think it's a camaro right yeah, yeah. and and that's not what this opening scene was i don't think i i don't remember though i thought if it was we... maybe the muscle car but i'm not 100 percent sure and if it is that kind of confirms that to, a lot so to it, quote sign scott it was very dark it was very dark <laughs> god when are we gonna do that movie that's coming that's coming <laughs> Next thing, uh, we're now flashing forward to present day. You're introduced to Denzel Washington, who is uh, John Deacon, or also called Deke. Um, he is standing out front of the Black Angus restaurant, where the owner of the restaurant is very upset because people have broken the G in Black Angus, and now it reads Black Anus. Uh, that's fun. And I love how the dude is like doing some quick math on him, on how he's losing like 13 dinners per day, and, and because like people are offended by the sign, and it's... Well, in it's terms fun. of cost of replacing all the bulbs and shit, is yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's impressive. But like, did you guys get the feeling though, like right away? Now it's like Denzel. We don't know yet, but you can tell like he was—he's obviously been someone who's been more important on the force, and now he's kind of relegated yeah. to some sort of small town dispute over light bulbs in a in a restaurant sign. You know? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That they, they do a good job of kind of letting that be known right away. Right. Yeah, and you get the sense that they're kind of in the middle of nowhere, right? So like. He's a small town sheriff's deputy, right? Right. right. Uh, next scenes, we see him show up at the uh, the precinct or the cop shop, whatever you want to call it, and he meets with, I believe it's his captain, right? Yeah. Who is sending him off on an errand to L.A. County Sheriff to pick up some evidence from a case. There were these boots that were they picked up in a case that actually relates to a case way out here in the boonies. And of course, someone's got to be the the gopher and go grab them. Yeah, and and here we're kind of introduced as, as like Denzel's grabbing them. He sees some pictures of somebody who's clearly brutally murdered, and he tries to like kind of sneak a look at them while the lady's like, "No, you can't look at that." And uh, a couple things, I kind of got this vibe that Denzel was a. It, it was either you know obviously something weird happened in his past. But the way that, like, he would look at, like, girls in cars and, like, look at vicious pictures and shit, I didn't know which route we were going with here. I, and at a couple of times, I was like, is he supposed to, like, play a pedophile here or what? Like, there was some weird vibes going on with Denzel. So this was Well, and I think one you're I referencing had. one of the scenes that's coming up where he sees the girls in the car. Yeah. Right? And they're driving alongside him. Either, I think it's on his way into L.A., yeah. And I think those are the three girls that were murdered in the flashback. I think he's having oh. a vision because he does have vision not in not visions as in like a truly like metaphysical thing but like just having flashbacks Almost of like, like ghosts working on that case. Past. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Oh, okay. Right. So not after he gets to LA, he's going to pick up the boots but nope, they need to be signed for by the chief of homicide and he's not going to be able to take them home until tomorrow. So he goes to meet with the captain in the homicide department who clearly knows him 
Uh, Captain's name is Carl Ferris, I believe. And I get the sense that people don't necessarily like John Deacon for some reason. Pretty fair when we learn what happened at the end of the movie, why they might not like him. Um, <laughs> well, because we, but... yeah, and we find out, like, there's a couple guys still on the force here in this, in this, you know, L.A. department that we find out he did previously work here. And he yeah. kind of left, at least if we're listening to the chief on bad terms, or, like, kind of just up and, like, abandoned them, I think is how he puts it. So it it's kind of interesting to see how some people have animosity towards him, but then we meet, like, one other guy that is still, like, buddy-buddy, so. Yeah, his yeah. name is Sal. I'm not sure we're ever given a last name. Yeah. Um, but while he's meeting with Captain Ferris, uh, there is... Jim Baxter, played by good old Rami Malek, giving a press conference in a, a big glass room nearby. Deacon steps into the room and meets with one of the reporters who's standing in the crowd. It's someone he knows clearly again because he'd worked here previously and feeds him a question that the reporter then asks Jim. And he says, uh, or the question basically is, what you're telling us is basically you have no leads or no suspects on this case. Can you comment on that? And it makes Jim look terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 funny because Rami then just, his eyes are following Denzel as he's walking out of the room the entire time. And um, yeah, I, that's all I got there, I guess. Because it's like, it's <laughs> interesting because it's safe to say like, this is the position that Deacon had before he left and it's almost like he's trying to undermine the new guy you know right yeah. because it is referenced that jim is brand new in the unit right. right or new enough and so what we come to find is he's working on a case where some women have been stabbed and then posed in their apartments with a bag over their heads and otherwise completely nude there's i believe four victims at this point this point Mm-hmm. And we eventually find out that these are similar to the victims that Deke has been having flashbacks about. So, right. So it's kind of like he's got this interest now. I think it was kind of why he fed the guy that that question, you know, how like this is clearly related, you know, or he's starting to try to put the pieces together. So he he instantly has some sort of sparked interest in like maybe what, he could get from Jim to maybe help remedy, you know, some of his past. Cause they never solved the case, you know, or at least Deacon didn't back, you know, as far as we know in the flashbacks, I believe. Right. And given the way he seems to be so haunted by it, we don't have confirmation at this point in the movie, but he seems to be stewing about this case and it seems to be something that's haunted him. He goes to get a cup of coffee with Sal afterwards. Cause he's got to stay in town to pick up this evidence tomorrow at which point Jim meets them at the diner, has some rough words for Deke, and invites him along to a crime scene. They found another body from the same killer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like he's he's trying to, like, show him up. I think Jim's trying to show up Deacon, but, like, at the same time, it's like, <laughs> it's kind of funny he just invites him along, you know? Yeah, they, he starts just, like, after after the, this one scene of, like, a pissing contest, then suddenly they're just kind of, they're basically friends after that. They're, they just work together now. <laughs> that was so, Right, kinda... and you'd think that sharing the information, even though it is another police officer, right, would be kind of frowned upon, I would think. Right. If what we what we knew, you know, if 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 you go back to the unit that sent Denzel out 
on this case and like knew what happened in in his previous case how the fuck do you send him to go get this evidence when you know there's like four more dead bodies like obviously this would be traumatic for him in a way well but they didn't send him related to the case he was just going to pick up a pair of someone's boots even still they (laughs) probably should just try not to put him in any scenario that would involve him you know fully getting into said case which we learn happens in this apartment complex here but like i was just i I was pretty surprised that uh they would want him to be the one to even go get those boots maybe if it's like a it's like a 30 mile radius thing for him but if it's all the way to la he can't go so (laughs) i i mean i could see that you know don't don't want to send it back to the police station he left but anyways we move on and now they're in this apartment where they found the body the woman has been leaned up against the door, the dead body, so they have to enter through the fi- through the window from a fire escape. There's multiple CSIs in there, and they're examining the scene. They find that the refrigerator was broken. However, not all of the food was spoiled. Some of it was, and that'll play a key point later on. They find a partial fingerprint on the windowsill because that is the same way that the killer apparently went in and out which leads Denzel to go check out the warehouse across the alley from the apartment. He goes up there and he finds a chair that actually from the window perfectly looks in and whoever the killer was apparently sat there and watched the dead body after he posed it up against the door of the apartment. The chair had lots of cobwebs on it, and I just wanted to say that. (laughs) It did, and like this scene, they kind of briefly touch on it later i think rami malik's or jim baxter's character he like says you know thanks for the tip on the lookout across the street but like we never really get anything like are we just supposed to just think that the guy just sit there and just watched you know what he had done basically that's how he kind of got off on that or something i don't know it it kind of confused me like him you know like this big reveal about how he figured out that this looks right into her apartment but then that's that's basically it (laughs) right because at this point like there's nothing left happening and we do find out that there was no sexual activity with the victim uh post or pre-death so it would be weird i would think for him to come back and just look at her right it well and like this whole like denzel um like sitting across and like mimicking what the killer does it really doesn't help him in any way i don't think it's probably just making his nightmares even worse because like he's not gaining anything here i don't think well and it was at this point that i was like did he do it yeah did he do it yeah i mean that's where i was from the audience's perspective right i mean we don't know obviously who did anything yet so like this (laughs) they do they do a good job I, i will say like the first like hour to hour and a half of this movie i think scott you texted me and asked me i was like i kind of like it because you had seen some reviews well we'll get to what you know where we all stand on it but like up to this point you're like like i said for the first like half of the movie i was pretty well into it i mean it was enough suspense you're kind of like wondering there's a lot of weird shit going on which is always good and like this sort of like detective murder type movies so yeah i mean they definitely kind of keep you guessing here especially at this point and it's not it's not like a Wonder Woman level stinker. It's just it's like it the ending just doesn't pay off for, you know, they they wrote a decent um who done it, I think. And you know the the ending just kind of leaves you like, "Oh fuck, whatever." But 
like the this 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 first you know introduced to how this killer operates and stuff it's it's fun i don't know it's it's interesting right so what we get next is uh jim dropping deacon off back at uh la county and says you can buy me breakfast in the morning we'll Mm -hmm. meet for breakfast and then deacon says why the hell would i buy you breakfast (laughs) so then jim's gonna buy apparently but again they're constantly in diners in this movie yeah yeah um so then you get a scene of the next morning uh deacon's in the diner waiting for jim on the phone with his captain back at his own uh precinct and the captain says he doesn't need the boots anymore they have enough to convict the guy without them (laughs) (laughs) so the whole trip was a waste i i uh like and then aren't we kind of introduced to eventually like deacons taking vacation days is that yeah because he doesn't leave at this point because jim shows up and invites him to watch an interview of a local peeping tom who's in the neighborhood of where the murder was can you imagine that like you're so into a case that you take vacation days to go do a job somewhere else like that'd be that'd be horrific but anyway well again given how like tormented he seems to be you know yeah it kind of makes sense it does it does Right, so kid named Stan is in interrogation. He's local peeping Tom, and Jim is starting to interview him. Yeah, um, it's because he like not Randy's much background. Style is you know, and this is the first time where I just I I don't know. I'm a huge Rami Malek fan, but like in this movie, I just he just wasn't doing it for me, and it like really started yeah. here. He's so like bug-eyed and just really like weird like the whole time i don't know it's almost off-putting for me he's almost too weird and he's supposed to be like this top shot you know head detective you know and also like a a weird like god-fearing family man at the same time right yeah he he like he's not meant for this role i think that's what it is is like rami malik his skill set is not meant for the good guy you know, it's just not. So, um, yeah, unless you're the leader of a of a big rock band, Queen. You're right. That's, but but that's the thing. He was he was not singing most of the time of that movie. He was just and you know, this is gonna sound really mean, but like, freaking Freddie Mercury had a weird mouth too, so it worked out. Like that's <laughs> that's the thing in this movie his features like anthony just mentioned his he's bug-eyed he just is a bug-eyed human can't help it <laughs> no he can't but like you and he's a phenomenal actor it's just like exactly for just right you know what i just you know him being like this supposed to be top shot detective like i said i mean it's like he just i don't know the way he played it just didn't seem to be that convincing mm-hmm. i don't know right 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 additionally there's this one thing that I don't touch on much in my notes here, but is weirdly off-putting in this movie or, like, out of place, is there's this constant reference to the fact that the captain in L.A. County is, like, a Christian guy or, like, a God-fearing man, and how, like, if you don't necessarily agree with that or, like, if you drink a beer on a weeknight, you know, like, that's something that gets back to him and your job may be in jeopardy sort of thing. And... They talk about this in passing a few times, and it just never goes anywhere. No, and because it, it's supposed to, like, they set it up as where you think, like, and, De- like, Denzel, like, says something about it later on because he's, 
you know, Jim Baxter asks him why he never got a promotion or something, and he, what does he say? He's like, maybe I went to the wrong church or something. Like, yeah, exactly. Other than that, those like, like you said, those little <laughs> two cent, like, you know, brief words of you know that they're just talking and amongst themselves it it, it never amounts to anything you know we hardly even right. see this captain in the la precinct we see him like two times i don't know yeah so back to the interview with stan apparently deacon had previously brought him in when he was still working there and broke the guy's jaw <laughs> in the interview so it seems as though deacon maybe not be the best cop in the world um a couple things on this this movie does not paint cops in a good light whatsoever to me. Um, it's it, it paints them in a light of like anything goes, and I don't think that's necessarily true. I'm not gonna open a can of worms on this one because I'm sure people have other opinions, but like they very much make it seem like the department's kind of crooked because there's no way that if he broke this dude's jaw, he'd be allowed to be in that same room as him. Well, and he was so, just listening from the other side of the one even that, glass, right? Even that, they would not let... I'm assuming they would not let that happen, I would think. But I, I digress. <laughs> but anyway, like, I wanted to point out in this... Remy Malik, his, his looking at the picture and then slowly sliding <laughs> it over, pretty fucking stupid pretty fucking dumb what i focused on was how much his hands shook as he was sliding it over like he was shaking like a leaf in the wind yeah you got to be confident when you're like trying to scare somebody but he basically was just sliding him um pictures of the murders right well this this was was this a girl that was missing now or then one that was just murdered i think you're right i think it was the one that was missing right because because they do have some parents come in and report a girl missing and Jim is a little crass about it. And he says, uh, do we have a body? Then it's a missing person case because right. they work in homicide. And that's the weird thing is like, he seems to get pretty attached to one of these missing girls eventually. And it's, it's her because like, there's yeah. only ever the one missing. All the others have been found dead. Right. It's yeah. It, it's odd. I think it's it's the little things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the title of the movie. Yeah. Oh, um. Anyways, uh, from here we flash to the medical examiner's office. Uh, Deacon is there looking at the girl they most recently found dead. Um, she was killed by stabbing. Surprise, surprise. But his friend Flo, who used to work with him and is the medical examiner, uh, says she'll look up a case for him. When he hands her the case number to pull up, she's absolutely shaken, and she says, I will do this for you, but then nothing else. And and this is the same case that uh, he mentioned the name of a girl to Stan. Uh, he, told, he called Remy on the phone in their little interrogation here. He said to say this name to Stan, who then Stan walks up to the glass because he clearly knows that Denzel's listening the entire time. And um, I, I what I don't remember the name of the girl, but I believe it was uh, one of the original murders that he discovered or caused. One of the names, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. believe it was was it Mary Roberts? I think so. Yes, yep. yes, yep. Right. So we get some really fast scenes here at this point. So I'm just gonna run through them real quick. Deke goes back to the uh, back to the crime scene, asks the landlady. Uh, if she called anyone to fix the refrigerator because it was broken before the woman died. 
And she said, yes, I called ABC Appliance. Uh, but there was unspoiled milk and cold beer in the fridge when they found the body. Uh, Deke has another flashback of him standing around in a suit, basically. Um, and then goes to check in to a hourly rate motel for the night. Guy who, che- who checks him in says, if the previous guy left anything in there, just throw it out in the hall and we'll take care of it. It's odd because like so many people have offered him to stay in their house already, and he's like, nah, I need to stay in this borderline brothel. So, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's very clearly evident that there are prostitutes roaming this hotel, by the way. like, And he is offered many times, including by the man who is selling rooms. You want some company? He asks it twice. It's very odd. <laughs> well, and, uh, when Deke first comes in, he's wearing his uh, uniform, his sheriff's deputy uniform because this is still only like that first night i believe or no it's yeah. the second night excuse me um and the guy s- immediately says i have no association with the women out front i don't know what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> then totally changes his tone after he says he wants a room and he's just <laughs> yeah, like exactly new business so um so we again these really short scenes here we're back at the la precinct and there's a report that Stan, their previous suspect, apparently killed himself. Killed himself. He shot himself yeah. in the head with a 12 gauge. Wow. Yeah, um, that's that quite kind of, a problem. This, this sort of this kind of like drops like a rock because they they don't really care. I feel like no, they're kind and of there's just like, like no well, whatever. You know, I can't consequences to like anything. Like granted they exactly. didn't you know, they'd think there'd be more investigation into like why this guy killed himself after they questioned right. him. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Instead they're all just like, Oh yeah, he stuck a twelve gauge in his mouth. They mentioned twelve gauge like three times. Like it, it really is just a bit of news and Denzel like doesn't even bat an eye. It. He's not our guy or something, you know, he like brushes yeah. it right off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're just moving on to the next thing. Uh, yeah. From here, Denzel, or uh, I should say Deke, goes to visit ABC Appliance. There's a woman there helping him who gives him the quote-unquote employee list and details of like their appointments and stuff for the date uh, that the date of the murder, right, or dates around it. He then leaves, goes, sits in his car, and sees the woman who had been just helping him walk out of the place, I believe. And so it appears that it was someone else running it, and she was just there for when the cops showed up, apparently, is kind of how I read it. Right. So he goes back in, and now there's a man there um, who gives him the actual information, handwritten list of employees and some of their appointments. Uh, At this point, you see some of the employees behind, like, a big curtain, uh, almost like a shower curtain, uh, hanging out in a back area of the shop, and they're kind of peering out. And this is where you first see Leto, who is uh, Jared Leto is portraying Albert Sparma. Just mm-hmm. a great, goofy name. great movie name, though. <laughs> I always, <laughs> yeah. you guys ever wonder how they like come up with the names of characters? Uh, I mean, I think that that would be pretty complex, right? To be honest, I mean, just like I don't you, know. You, like it probably just happens in the writing process. I'm assuming, like whoever writes the movie, and then they just, you know. But like, how do you? What possesses you to come up with Albert well, Sparma? And the other <laughs> thing is, you kind of have to go into the movie database a little bit and be like, "Are we sure that this wasn't used?" In <laughs> well, the past? right. Like, I mean, I feel that... like there's a 
Joe or John Deacon somewhere. Like, right, but but right, I mean, but I know what you, you mean though. It's like you don't want to. You can't just make like the same movie. You know, it, I get it. It would have to be recency bias. Basically, right. you have to look back in like the past three or four years and make sure. And, and so I'm sure that's all done by some sort of company out there. But if you, if anybody knows, let us know. Just, that'd be pretty I interesting. Mean, I mean, it would almost be as if there's an internet movie database with a listing of characters in all kinds of movies. That might be um, just kidding. a good point. <laughs> and I don't mean to, I don't mean to jump off topic, but like, I've always wondered that it's like, how do they come up yeah. with movie names, the character names for movies? Other than, One like, time. you know, for, like, original content, obviously it's easy, easier, you know, for movies based on books and shit like that. But, like, you know, for, like, a originally written movie, like, how does Quentin Tarantino just come up with the names of his characters in a movie? It's just, like, it just fascinates me. I'd like to see yeah, it. it really I'd is. like to see if they just, like, if it's, if there's, maybe there's nothing to it and it's just random. But, like, if there's actually a process be something i'd be interested in like learn like just listening to i think it'd be kind of cool he's just got sheets of paper up on the wall <laughs> with names on it and throws and it darts at him right <laughs> i think it'd be i think it'd be pretty funny if like the name guy got back to tarantino and was just like here's what i got for you and tarantino's like this is garbage <laughs> like get this out of my sight go try again and then he brings it back with like two different names and tarantino's like this is the one so yeah that'd be it'd be interesting to know Gosh. anyway i apologize albert sparma just sparked that in my head when i was watching the movie <laughs> yeah. so. no it's an absolutely goofy name so i was right there with you um, am i correct in saying we are in the back half of the movie already when we're introduced to jared leto uh, pretty close i would think like right down to close to halfway i'd say and let me just say that's disappointing to me that he was not more involved in this movie. I think I, I thought it was going to be him in it pretty much the whole time. So that a little disappointing to me, but right. So from here now, Jim is going to visit the parents of the missing girl. Apparently she always used to wear a red barrette to hold her hair back out of her face. It's the most important thing out of that scene. Yep. It's and the little now, things, it's the little things. <laughs> Yeah, damn. Uh, from <laughs> it was an accident, but also on purpose. It was great. From here, uh, Jim and Deke go to visit a pond or a river where they found an additional body. Unfortunately, it is not Red Barrette Girl, whose name that I don't remember. No, that's good enough. Um. And, again, she was killed the same way. She was posed um, on the river and had a view up from a bridge uh, where the guy could look at her, and she had a garbage bag over her head. We get a uh, small exchange here between Jim and Deke. Uh, Jim asks, do you believe in God? And he says, when I see a, a sunrise or a thunderstorm or dew on the ground, yes, I think there's a God. When I see all this, I think he's long past giving a shit. Not a bad Not line. Not a bad line. It was Not a pretty a, good like line. that one. Yeah. Yeah, of all of Denzel's, I think that one hit pretty damn well. So, you know, and I mean, he's got a really powerful, like, uh, still waters run deep sort of vibe to him. You know, where like he can deliver yeah. deep things like that. It's just that the rest of the characterization of him in this movie is not that special, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Deke then goes over to Jim's house for breakfast. More eating. Um, <laughs> He goes well, after this to visit his ex-wife. 
what, what, go back to that breakfast scene for a second. God, did he give short answers when the when um, Remy Malik's wife was asking him questions? Like the shortest answers ever, and it was just the most awkward conversation of all time. I felt like. Um, well, yeah, and, it's because he's trying to hide something, right? Because uh, she's asking about his past and his family, yeah. or if he has a wife, and we find out that he doesn't anymore. Yeah, and he yeah. doesn't talk to his daughters. Yeah, and as we go to that ex-wife scene, God, that was freaking weird. Like, how he was just like, he cuts the grass better than I do. That, that's a man admitting that I am no man. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, his grass is better than mine. It's just weird. I don't know. It, well, and was... uh, she then says he's a whiz in the yard, the new guy. And as Deke is leaving, he makes sure to kick some mulch out of a mulch bed into the street. So it's a little <laughs> bit of a mess. I mean, if they're going for and, every scene to be, like, terribly awkward, I think they did a great job. It nailed just it. Doesn't, nailed it. I don't know. It just doesn't really feel like that's how it was supposed to, I don't know. I mean, it would be awkward going to see your ex-wife, I would assume, like, that you haven't talked to in years, you know, just out of the blue. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It just, everything just feels so off-putting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He, he seems a little bit like a weirdo, right? Yeah. And this yeah. continues to make me wonder whether or not he's killing people, right? <laughs> and, like, putting himself back in the investigation to kind of relive the kills, right? Sure. And apparently this guy likes to watch the dead bodies afterwards. So, I mean, I was a little bit very much so thinking uh, Denzel was guilty. Right. Now Jim and Deke meet up at a bar because they're constantly <laughs> eating. And... They find out that the victim most recently found was a strict vegan. However, she had roast beef in her stomach, partially digested. So it was eaten very shortly before she was killed. Gross. Well, just assuming that, like, the guy made her. He says something exactly. like, yeah, who, what would yeah. make a vegan do that? Well, anybody would do anything with a gun to their head or something like that. You know, it's kind of like what they say. Yeah. yeah. So... At this point, um, Deacon now has the name of employees from ABC Appliance. He's just kind of been sitting on this for what feels like the last half hour of movie time. And finally calls Sal back at the L.A. County to run a guy's name named Albert Sparma again (laughs) uh, to see if he's (laughs) sold any cars. Because they believe that uh, he has two cars with high mileage because the guy is apparently going bouncing between two separate counties, killing these women. And so that's part of why it wasn't connected, you know, necessarily from the beginning, all of these deaths. Right. So uh, Deke goes to visit Al's place, digs through his garbage and finds empty beer cans that are the same brand as the kind that were in the fridge at the mm-hmm. lady's apartment. And a half-eaten slice of pizza. He he then takes the slice of pizza into the medical examiner's (laughs) office to have it compared to bite marks on the victim. (laughs) This was the worst scene of the movie, in my opinion. It's just good detective work, Scott. No stone left unturned. (laughs) The fuck... my, My most hated part of it was we didn't get a good match, and then she's like, but remember... They're from this place, so then she folds the pizza in half, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, off. Was, like, come on. That was kind of corny. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> also, yes. who, who folds their fucking pizza? Apparently, if you're people from, back like, east, from the East Coast, yeah. Why? Like, you're just wasting a bite, I feel like. You could get those same bites. Well, you it's like New York-style pizza. You're supposed to fold it because the slices are so huge and thin. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, one. Yep, one bite. And so you can eat it walking food. without a plate. <laughs> yep. New Yorkers, innovators they are. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the the next day now, Deke is following Albert all around all day. He follows him to work, uh, sits there waiting for him to leave. Albert then goes into a strip club. Deke continues to follow. And the most telling thing here is Albert stops for drive through at a roast beef sandwich shop and then gives it some to some prostitutes on the corner. And Deke just continues to follow him. And so this goes on for quite a while. I want to I want to play like let's play if Jared Leto wasn't the killer. Does he just go to like Arby's and then pass it out to uh, prostitutes? Is that his move? I, like, <laughs> after spending, like, I don't hate after, it. After like spending eight hours in a strip club, because there's like multiple scenes where they follow him and he's like goes in there and it's like the middle of the day and they finally see him walking out. It's like if it feels like ten o'clock at night. Then I, mean, I, exactly. I like the I like the angle better though that he's just fucking with Denzel the entire time. That I do would, like that idea a lot. If if you're thinking that's you know because he clearly will learn later he knows a lot about these cases so if he knew that like roast beef was involved and like all these women were involved <laughs> it'd be the funniest fucking thing if he's just like I'm gonna go sit in this strip club I'm not even gonna go look at the women I'm gonna have a few drinks here. And then he just goes through your Arby's drive-thru right after. It would be amazing. Also, um, couldn't he just pull him over for drunk driving? We don't know pull if he drank or anything. Albert though. over? Yeah. Well, it's it's re- it's reasonable cause, isn't it? Coming but from not if you have, like, evidence and you're outside your jurisdiction and on vacation. Fair enough. Okay, good point. And I don't think he was in a cop car. Yeah, so I mean, at this really point, too, he's either. already rented a car, I think, and, like, changed clothes. So he's, like, he's yeah. really... Like... <laughs> and that's because I missed a detail. When he picked up the garbage from Albert's place, Albert spotted him because uh, yeah. he was looking at his Camaro, right? right? Checking the mileage on it through the window. Sees it's, like, over 400,000 miles on it. Um, and... He's, like, tr- asking him if the car is for sale because there's a for sale sign on the ground and then goes, how's the trunk space? Leto just says, standard. And <laughs> Jared Leto it's was it's a weird that. interaction. Yeah. Jared Leto's fun. I like he his, is fun in this. He's a great method actor, so, like, him in that, like, beer belly and that, like, slouched back, like, walk he had the yeah. whole time, I just really couldn't get it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's it's, it's so weird, too, because everything. he, like, fucking flails his arms <laughs> when he's walking, <laughs> yeah. too. It's, it's great. It's great. But the reason I had to bring that back up is because it plays into our next scene. Deke is still following Albert. Albert has now gotten on the interstate and pulls over at one point. Well, in order to not be obvious, Deke has to drive past him. So he goes flying past and pulls himself over further up. Then on the interstate, when he still doesn't see Albert go past him, then throws it in reverse back to where he first saw him. Looks across to the other side of the interstate now, and there's Albert. So Deacon starts his car up, gets off, goes around to the other side, and Albert does the same thing. They do this three times, I think, before finally uh, Albert pulls up alongside Deacon's car. Uh, Deacon rolls down his window to talk to him, but Albert doesn't. And Albert just shouts, how's the trunk space? And drives away. Awesome scene. I, I actually really like this scene. Um, and and then we find out that 
dent it was at the mile marker that they found a body right correct it was yeah mile marker 467 from like from like a case you know back when he i think he was yeah like a long time ago like one of previous murders though i think right oh i'm not sure i got that was was it from the previous case i think it was yeah and and that again to me would just be is Jared Leto just fucking with him this entire time? That's that's the that would make it a good movie to me, um, but we never know. So, right, and so we come to find out that Albert has been picked up on an assault charge and has done some time in the past, so his fingerprints are in the system. Jim goes down to compare their partial fingerprint to Albert's. Apparently, there are these identifiers in fingerprints, and you need a certain number in order to call it a quote-unquote match. LAPD requires 12 common identifiers, and LA County requires 18. Albert only has 11 common identifiers. So to prove a point, the lab tech pulls up prints of another person who has eight common identifiers. He's only three less than the guy you have in. And Jim says, okay, whose prints are that? And it was the lab tech's own prints, and Jim is pissed. He, it's a, I don't know. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> it's a funny scene because, like, I, I've always thought about this. Like, there can't be some sort of like database out there where you could just get someone's fingerprint and just like get a guaranteed match. It can't be that easy. So I kind of like how they went for. Let's let's point out how ridiculous some crime movies are, and it, super bad kind of does a pretty similar thing when Seth Rogen at one point is like when I was when I was young on the force I thought everything was just covered in semen and there was like some bad guy semen database so like I think I think it's just funny to see um like a lab tech being like this is kind of how it works and you cop people can't just expect me to be like oh fingerprint boom, here's your guy. It's not that easy, I have to imagine. Well, when you're climbing in and out of a window, no one ever gives you a nice, clean print, like put my right. all four of my fingers on the you're window not, sill nice and flat. You're not straight up pressing, you're just kind of brushing. So yeah, you, exactly. And, and your fingerprints are unique, but like they, everyone in the world can't be like that, you know? So. Well, and what it's trying to tell us is at best, they have circumstantial evidence. Nothing concrete. They have the slice of pizza, a beer can... <sighs> And a partial fingerprint. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the slice of pizza, that's a reach in the first place. <laughs> I'm so. not even sure a reach quite covers it. <laughs> right. Um, so they've brought in now this younger gal who apparently knew one of the victims and may or may not have seen the person who killed her. Um, Jim is talking to her for a moment, but they're about to bring Albert in. So he leaves a female detective. And did either of you guys catch her name? I swear it wasn't even mentioned. Uh- I have her as Tom's girlfriend from Parks and Rec. So that's <laughs> you're that's right. It, it's uh, Natalie Natalie Morales uh, playing Jamie Estrada. But again, I really don't think they actually mention her name the whole time. No, no, um, not a very important character. She's left to babysit this girl who's come in to interview. Uh, the girl says she needs to go to the bathroom, so she has to walk her to the bathroom and is going to walk her back. But Sal is in the interview room that's right across from the bathroom with jim and looks around outside because uh jamie estrada has now abandoned this girl because another cop wanted to talk to her um and they're gonna bring albert in because the witness is not around right so they bring in albert right as she's coming out of the bathroom now she's seen him so this then taints the possibility of them being able to do a lineup with her because they know that 
or she knows that they think he's a suspect, right? Yeah, so this is where this, uh, you know, crooked organization of cops draws the line, I guess. This is where they play good. Um, as we'll learn, there's a lot more that goes on, but my question is like, that. how do they not have a separate area for interview rooms that is away well, from the public facing entrance and bathrooms that any random my, person can use? My dumbass was I thought this movie was going to pick up a little bit, and I thought when like they were like not going to look after her that Leto somehow was going to infiltrate this place and find a way to like kidnap well, her. That's where I thought I'm we were going. Glad you with it. know like they were like building tension in this scene exactly. like no other. Like I'm sitting here like yes. kind of like on the edge of my seat like well now she's like by herself all of a sudden somehow and really it it mm-hmm. it, it was just it just ruined the you know the witness witnessing, you know. It, it was like it I don't know. It would have been such a better movie if they would have went in that direction. Uh, well, like, really let Leto go, you know, I, uh, as opposed to this stupid, oh, shit, the lineup can't work Yeah, now. I mean, that's what I mean. I 100% agree with you, Scott. Like, I was just like, the tension was building in this scene like crazy, and it really just came crashing down because nothing right, really right. happened. <laughs> yeah. And maybe one of the best scenes in the movie is the interview scene here with Leto and Rami Malek beforehand uh deke comes in and brings in a clock which is never referenced again moves the table up against a wall rearranges everything that then doesn't really actually seem to matter Um, i think i think they're trying to like put this idea out there that he is some like super cop i don't know like he just is a psychological monster I, i but it doesn't make any sense i don't get it so well it's because there's no explanation like fine you brought him in but like this scene never breaks they interview him for like 15 minutes i mean right what's the point of bringing a clock in so that some guy can watch 15 minutes go by that's more effective when someone's been there for days and days or hours and hours right yeah so albert jokingly pleads the fifth and then claims to see this huge reaction on Rami Malik or uh, Jim and Sal's faces, which there is absolutely none. Some poor acting yeah, there. He, he he no, he just goes, You should have seen your face. Like I love the way he goes, I wanna plead the fifth, and then he like there's like dead silence for a second and he's like, I'm just kidding. And he thinks he's hilarious <laughs> and it it's I think he's pretty damn fun in this scene. I, I agree. I think this is Leto at his best in the movie. Um, so he's been brought in before. He kind of knows how this is going to go. And he's apparently a quote unquote crime buff himself. And so he he knows that he's not under arrest and he's just being questioned as they start flipping out the photos again, right? Showing him the pictures of the women. And he's like really enjoying looking at the pictures more than any normal person would of dead bodies. And this is when Deke comes in and, uh, kind of loses his shit he's like as i was watching it it appears that denzel washington is just flailing around he's punching everything around leto Mm -hmm. without actually touching him at all yeah yeah it looks really weird too like did it not just seem like his motions kind of just like felt off you know he's like throwing him around and then like slams the wall behind him and stuff like this is probably supposed to be because this is the first time you know, all three of them are on screen together. So it's like, correct. You know, this is probably like, you know, the movie's first big, you know, scene, you know, you have three Oscar award winning actors on screen at one time. And and like I said, I didn't really have a problem with, 
Denzel's performance so much, but it just, I don't know. Rami Malek, I thought, wasn't at his best, but Jared Leto was pretty good, but at the same time, this scene just didn't really hit like I think they were yep. hoping. Yeah. Right. For for one of the more tense sequences of the movie, it was a low bar. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, from here, obviously, they let Albert go, and Deke goes back to his hotel where Jim then comes to visit him. The doors unlock, so Jim just lets himself in. <laughs> And Deke is sitting there in a white t-shirt and boxers looking at his evidence wall of these old women. Uh, Not old women, but the women from the old case. And Jim is freaked out. He's like, this guy's got a screw loose. Because the way he's walking towards him at first, you think Denzel's fucking drunk. That's what it seems like. It's the weirdest thing. And then he snaps into normalcy, like, right in the middle of the conversation. It doesn't make sense. Right. Like, he starts out by if, saying the past becomes the future, becomes the past, becomes the future, yeah, and says it over and over. He sounds like he's on drugs and, like, is wasted or something. But And they could have went that angle, like, it's clearly messing him up that he just went and tanked a bottle of whiskey. But no, it's, like, weird. I don't know. It, Anthony, like you said, I feel like there's a, three big names in this, but each scene, one of them got overshadowed by the other somehow. It, it, it didn't work. It didn't work well enough. Right. And, like, I don't know, this scene does give us, like, you know, unfortunately we saw kind of this in the trailer, but this is kind of where, you know, Deacon asks Rami Ma- or Jim why he's doing this, and he says he wants to solve it for all the girls that have died or who are missing. And then I actually kind of like Deacon's response because he just admits he's like, I'm doing this for me, which now we clearly get the definitive answer that he's fucked up from his past and now... He really just wants to solve this case to help himself kind of get over whatever's haunting him, you know, from a previous case, which we'll discuss. (laughs) Right. And at the end of this scene, they decide they're going to break into Albert's apartment (laughs) so they can look around. Here you go, Scott. (laughs) Even though they don't have a warrant and they don't have enough evidence. It's it's just really built. like, Like I said, it just really builds that these cops are horrible that's what this this movie did yeah i mean this movie kind of maybe accentuates it a little much but we've i will admit though like we this isn't the first time in a movie we've seen cops like push the limits you know we always see them like yeah you know whatever they can do to try to get a conviction sort of thing so i but i agree i mean the the way they do it in this movie it just makes it seem like and and it but and by the ending too it's like what what are we supposed to think about our two quote unquote heroes of the movie? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Right. So from a payphone, Jim calls Albert's home number and says, Hey, I want to make it up to you for what happened today. Uh, meet I me at the bar by that. your yeah, place. Oh my God. The one with that the potato is... skin. <laughs> we just talked about, we don't How... have to spend too much time, but like stupid. What would Albert yeah, like? How why is he? Why would Albert ever exp- or, like think that they would just call him and, and want to go take him out for a drink or something? Give me a fucking break! Like, it's so. There's stupid. some sort of like fun I have with the idea of Leto's character like picking up the phone, being like, "Oh, all right." But like the problem I have with it is how dumb are these cops <laughs> to like call a guy and be like we're sorry yeah. like come have dinner with us get out of fucking town like, never happened. On. 
So Deke then goes, breaks into uh, the apartment in record time. Jim is still sitting in the car watching for Albert to come back after he leaves. And in rapid fire, this is what Deke finds in the apartment. He finds a police scanner that scares the living shit out of him when it goes off. The TV is left on. The guy has a weird red light in the bathroom instead of regular bulbs. Uh, there's three little denture teeth in a glass alongside the... Uh, Alongside the sink in the bathroom. He has a slide projector set up with old photos, not of any of the victims. Um, <laughs> and there is a like little trap door under a rug with newspaper clippings of the murders. Which, like, what a weird trap door, by the way. It's a very small one. Like, Well, it's like it's a little treasure know. trove of junk. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, and, but again, nothing, nothing that says he's the guy. Right, I mean, they're right. trying to you know lead you in that direction but like at the same time we know that he's at this point i think we do know that he's a crime buff so i mean it's not so if he's got newspaper clippings it's not that weird is it weird that right. they all relate to this case sure. they're following right. a little bit and the fact but that also they like, can't I mean, use this as evidence they fucking broke in without a warrant right right and but I mean, it, him being a crime buff, he'd want to follow whatever's in his city. Exactly. So that, so, makes right. sense. that so that he kind of so. kind of fits his alibi is what I'm saying. So it's like yeah. nothing yep. too incriminating. It's weird. Don't get me wrong. I don't think yeah. like everybody would just have all that stuff, especially hidden away, like in a little trap door. But you know, nothing that really points to you know that he's really is the killer or anything. Yeah. Yep. Right. So now we get a really great series of events leto or uh, albert sits down at the bar orders a shirley temple and asks to make a phone call we come to find out that he orders calls 911 and says there's an officer down at his own apartment building so yep. all kinds of cops come flying up there as deke gets out of the apartment because the police scanner went off right um and climbs up a drain pipe over the roof down a drain pipe on the other side away from the cops and jim then goes to pick him up over there we all, one thing I want to mention, he orders a Shirley Temple to go, by yes. the way. He says, I'll take it to go, and the bartender's like, absolutely, right and on it. Gotta love that. I, is it too dumb of me to think, like, why wouldn't, you know, to give him more time, why wouldn't Jim just go meet with him? I get it, they probably, they didn't yeah. have cell phones or anything to maybe send a warning that they're coming back, but wouldn't that be, like, the safest bet? It I mean, they're in a public they, place, he shouldn't have to worry about, like, his own safety, you know, like, but... To ensure that they have, like, the most amount of time, you'd think that he would just try to keep him busy the whole time instead of just call him there and then not show up and just give away the fact that something's going on, like, as soon as possible. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed weird. I agree. I agree. And here's where shit really starts to get wild. There's, like, a crowd of people, and they see... Deke climbing over the roof because both Jim and Albert are standing there seeing it and Albert sees Jim there so like the jig is up yeah. like they've convinced nobody what's going on um, so the next day they're sitting outside of his apartment again <laughs> they follow him all day he takes a bus to the strip club he goes back home and then goes to bed and while they're they're going to sit there overnight Deacon whose watch battery is dead goes down the road to get a coffee and a watch battery and leaves Jim to watch. Um, at, in this exchange, Jim is sitting in the car and here's the payphone he used to call Albert about meeting at the bar go off. He goes to answer it and Albert's behind him and says, boo. My favorite scene in the movie. Oh, that's your way. favorite? Like, I, li I thought it was the it interview scene. 
it I, I i loved i loved the the boo because like it was just funny because uh, the way that remy's walking towards the phone like he's like what the fuck's going on and it cuts the tension real fast with a little bit of a jump scare kind of mm-hmm. and and albert's just kind of played this He's kind of played like a like a fool for a little bit, and just he just fucks with the cops he, the whole time. He does, so it, and I it's great. Yeah, it almost but like at the same time he comes off as a fool. I only only because I think of his appearance. Like he seems really yep. smart now. Like very. Mm-hmm. He yeah. he he seems to catch every tale every time they're following him around, and now he's like found him again. You know, this time while. Jim's separated from Deacon. Like the guy clearly like knows what he's doing, but like at the same time he just he's just so damn goofy looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, he he seems goofy looking, but goofy looking in a way that doesn't necessarily make him a killer. Right. Make you feel like he's a killer. It's more about the way he's acting and like fucking around with the cops. Yeah. Right? Right. Um from this point, uh Albert invites Jim with him in his car to go to where he buried. The girl's name is Rhonda Rathburn. I wrote it down here. That's the missing girl right now. And says he knows where she is and they'll go get her. They, and Jim is like, sure. Gets in the car, goes with him. um, And they, they leave without Deke. uh, Because uh, Albert says, oh, P.S. Your butt buddy's not invited. Buckle up. Safety first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just as good, deke is coming on. out of the store down the road he sees them driving away and goes to get in the car to follow i this just gets a little weird of how far behind because it, it makes it seem like he can still see their car but eventually we find out yeah. he kind of loses track of, of a little bit of where they went you know i don't know it's a very long chase it is it goes on for quite a while been... with not a lot of dialogue which is just very right. You know, it kind of sets up the tension between Jim and and Sparma in the car because there's just like, you know, what do you talk about? You know, it's kind of goofy, but I don't know. Right. And I don't know much about the geography of uh, California, which is where all of this is set. But they show a bunch of signs about cities they're going to, and they may or may not be really far from Los Angeles. But I think what they're supposed to say is like they drove for a few hours. And it's now, like, the middle of the night. Um, Sparma eventually gets off the interstate. Um, has Jim get out to open up a gate into this field. It's locked. Jim then closes it behind the car uh, once Albert pulls through, but does not relock the gate. This is where Deke has lost them. He's behind. He's on the gravel road behind him, but he misses the turn for the gate. Right. Um, they pull up to literally just a gravel field. And Albert and Jim get out, and he's playing hotter or colder with Jim <laughs> on where the body is. And it seems really sadistic. Once he finally finds the place, he says to Jim, now look down at the ground and say, hello, Rhonda. God. Yeah, I mean, like, at this point, I don't know. I'm starting to, I just, I'm not really convinced that he is the killer, because there hasn't been, you know, they try to make it out that he is, you know, with any sort of evidence we've seen. And now he's finally admitting to taking him to the body. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like the movie, and it's nothing really Leto did. I mean, he's playing this off pretty good. I, I honestly think he probably was the best performer in this movie. But 
I don't know. I'm just at this point, you can tell he's just clearly just fucking with him, and I'm still not at this point even convinced that there really is a body anywhere. Right. And and that's the thing is like very shortly after uh, Jim has dug a substantial hole, Albert says, "Oh poop, that's not the right spot," <laughs> and so has him go dig elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Deke eventually gets to a point in the road that's blocked, so he turns around and then does find the appropriate gate uh, and makes a turn in there. Um, we get some more dialogue between Jim and uh, Albert, but it's not super great. The best line of the bunch, as they're trying to ratchet up the tension between the two of them, is... You want, you want the truth. I've never killed anybody in my entire life. If you believe me, we can get in my car and drive straight home. Maybe even stop for tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Like, and at the same time, though, he keeps, like, walking around him, you know, like, trying to, like, almost keeping Jim's gun, which is in his, like, back pocket, like, in the frame at the same time. You're, like, you know, you're thinking, like, well, when's he going to, like, make a move for Jim's gun while he's digging here? But, mm-hmm. like, but, yeah, but then he drops that line, and you're just, like... <sighs> Is he telling the truth? Is he really just fucking with him? Like, I don't know. I, like, at this point, I really didn't really know where I was going to go. And then, yeah, we kind of just find out. You know, you can go ahead, Jim, what happens eventually. But So the last line, I believe, is, I've seen a picture of your family. You should have stayed out of the public eye, Jimmy. As Jim, from the ho- hole he's been digging, spins around and fucking clocks the guy in the head with the shovel. Albert's on the ground. Jim kicks him a couple of times, telling him to get up, but it's clear that he's dead. Jim drops to his knees as Deke comes driving over the hill to the field that they're in. And and Deke, he kind of comes in with, like, a very comfortable, just like, well, I'll be back in a few hours to come figure this out for you. Right. Yeah, and, and at he, this, this point is, is when we get a flashback that's really telling. It's a flashback now. Sal and Carl, uh, both of whom work for L.A. County PD, are um, at the scene with Deke. Deke hears some rustling in the bushes. Um, he goes to investigate. It's another prostitute, and he shoots her smack in the chest because he's surprised by her. Which, at this um, point, we were just told, like, they found two bodies, and the third one was just moved off to the side. But now we have right. been revealed that he accidentally shot her. <laughs> yeah. Shot and killed her dead. And just to cover it all right here at once, there's an additional flashback a little bit later where you see the medical examiner uh, say to them, I am writing down that the cause of death was multiple stab wounds. So the four of them covered this up together. And in that same flashback, Deke is then left with the body in the medical examiner's room and the head rolls to the side and she opens her eyes and just looks at him because yeah. he, he it's it's a weird flashback right and he's had a couple other visions of this right i think scene before they threw that part in there i believe probably to just kind of from this point on he's going to continue to be like haunted by these faces sort of thing right yeah, yeah. um so deke then goes back to albert's apartment bags up absolutely everything um he takes the camaro gives it to some kind of 
not indecent, what's the word I'm looking for? Some ne'er-do-well people on the street, and you eventually see that it's been stripped for parts. The tires are gone, the trunk's gone, the engine's gone, and there's just a pile of junk lying alongside the road by the time they're done. Um, Deke then takes his own truck, drives back out to Jim, and this is when they start talking. Jim is distraught. It's now the next morning. It's been that long. And you get a shot from above of how many holes Albert had him dig. And there were at least 10 in the shot, large holes. So the time that they were there without Deke was quite an amount of time. And eventually Deke says this, he's dead, he's forgotten, rotting in the ground. And the way he's going to come back is if you let him come back. Don't you ever go back to his place. Don't you let his name cross your lips. Don't you ever pull his file because if you do, he'll rise up out of, out of that ground. He'll do you in. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that get you caught. They hug. Uh, Deke kisses him on the neck. And then they split up. Yeah, and um, it it just doesn't really give a good ending to uh, Rami Malek's character, I don't think. Uh, because, again, we see his wife is, like, looking at him like he's still pretty distraught. I think that's, like, the last shot we get of him. Um, There's actually but... a more important point here, right? I don't know yeah. if this is what you were driving up to or not, but Sal comes by and drops off an envelope in this scene for uh, Jim that was left by Deke. Uh, his wife gives it to him, and inside is a red barrette. <laughs> oh, my God. See, yeah, and then what, Jim? Then what happens? Um, Deke pulls back up at his own house with all the trash, burns it all in an oil or in a barrel and finally pulls out a like store card like cardboard backer with barrettes on it and the red one on there is missing and burns that too we didn't need to see this i don't think well uh, it's a huge plot point in the movie i think it's done it's it's what's obviously done this way but it's well done on deacon's part to try to help Rami or Jim deal with you know what they had just done he made it seem like you know he found that red that red bread at you know Sparma's house to like kind of justify that you killed this guy but he was the killer but then yeah we see two seconds later that it was just you know him trying to bring peace of mind to him and it, and it and then a movie kind of just ends and we're left with never really knowing who the killer was right right and I just, we're just, just didn't, that kind of just turned me off, to be honest. I don't know. You want to give your score right away? I can if we're just going to roll into it. I, I, yeah, let's roll let's right it. I texted you guys. I said this is like one of the most eh movies ever, so I'm going to go right down the middle and just give it a five. Because, like I said, the first hour to hour and a half I thought was was pretty good. Like I texted Scott, like he asked me how it was. I'm like, I kind of like it. And, but then like I finished it and I was like, then it just said, I don't know. It just, it had so much potential. Like I'm usually a sucker for like, you know, suspense detective serial killer type movies. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Zodiac, but that movie is amazing. And it's, but it's awesome. You know, it's two hours and 40 minutes long, but at that, that movie keeps you on the edge of your seat constantly. And although you never know who the killer is, in that movie also but like they do things that just make it seem much more interesting like the way this ended you know i don't know it just was too open-ended like there was never 
at least like have another suspect or at least someone you can have maybe some f- where you can form your own conclusion because I'm not convinced Jared Leto was the killer. You know, and that's my complaint is they they should have had a broader range of suspects. They brought Stan in only to immediately have him kill himself. So either that means it was him, but they don't ever like continue to investigate like investigate that it doesn't mean he's not a suspect now that he's dead like we kind of talked about they just kind of pick that point up and immediately drop it um and i'll give my score quick i gave it a five as well i just it really bothers me when you do a mystery where they don't examine multiple suspects and this then totally defeats the idea of it being a mystery and I don't know. It, it wasn't super enjoyable. It was a little bit boring. Yeah, and just Fine. before yeah. you, and go, this is why I'm happy it was on HBO Max. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, just before you go, Scott, too. I think like in a movie they kind of marketed as like a serial killer. In the end, it was basically just a movie about like morals and dealing with consequences yep. for these two cops that kind of had the same sort of life changing events, which. If I had known that going in, I probably would have adjusted my viewing a little more or, like, what I was expecting. But, like, I don't know. It was a surprise that I really didn't think hit well. I was looking for, like, them to try to find a killer versus, like, you know, an old cop helps out a young cop in the same sort of scenario that he dealt with, you know, years before. I don't know. But it's not quite the same because uh, Deke killed an innocent, you know, and... Jim killed a guy who May. I think you're kind of left thinking is 90% sure is the killer. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that's my huge. Okay. So I'll just give my score right out of the bat. Mine was a five out of 10 <laughs> as well. So good job guys. But, um, I, I don't get how there's this parallel and there's this parallel of how like Denzel is consoling Rami's character because they're not the same whatsoever. Like you said, Jim, you know, he just straight up made a, a mistake like remy's was not really a mistake it was premeditated it was coming the entire movie denzel shot a very innocent person and should be should have been locked up for it remy on the other hand he'd probably get locked up for it maybe not as long i don't know how that shit works but i just don't like how in the end denzel's like giving him advice on how to get over this and becomes like the the good consoler guy when it just doesn't fit. Well, we're, exactly. we're supposed to just think that Denzel's just helping him not go down the path. Cause he doesn't want to see him lose his right. wife and daughters like he did, you know, right. Over right. That. But right. I don't know. Like you said, it just doesn't, just doesn't hit. I wish we would have had at least another suspect or something where we could try to draw our own conclusions on who the murderer was more than what we had. Like, I'm not convinced right. that he was the killer. I think he was just fucking with him the whole time. Cause he never yeah, makes I a move so to seriously threaten either one of them, which you think he would right. if he, you know, if he felt like he was back down in a corner, but like the whole time he just keeps up the smart ass remarks. And I don't know. Um, what do you guys think? Do you guys right. think he was the killer? I mean, it's, I don't no. know. I don't. I, d- I, I don't, don't have enough evidence. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I I don't think it was him. I think that last line of him saying we could get in the car and go right now, I think that was real. I think he snapped out of it for a second and was just like, this is stupid. And um, unfortunately, all the smart-ass remarks that he had before that, that line doesn't hit so well to Remy, and he still hits him with a shovel and kills him. But, yeah, I, I don't think he did it. Yeah. And... 
Yeah, it, this movie would have been much more successful if let let's even say they had had enough time to examine, say, four suspects and follow each of them a little bit. Like, I'd really be like debating who I think had done it, you know. Whereas right. like with this, I don't have an alternative to Leto, so it just makes me not care. Yeah. Do you think if they had about a ten minute montage at the end of this of Rami and fucking um, and Denzel plotting out each murder? and denzel going all the way back in some sort of like saw last minutes of the movie like they did it all do you think it would have changed your score pretty drastically i don't know yeah i I think it would actually if they had somehow finally solved it and made sure that it was leto i think my score would no 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 i i mean that the entire time it was denzel and rami that were the killers if that is kind of was your ending montage of like the other side of things that were actually happening while they were pretending to be good cops. I think it would like, be better there's... if it was, it was Deke, right? And he has yeah. now convinced Jim that it was yep. uh, Albert and caused him to kill him. Like that's the yep. perfect crime, man. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's enough uh, conversation on the little things that wraps up our 20th episode of the, we've seen that podcast. Our next episode, I so Criminal Me has not. What is the title that Adam has selected for his guest month appearance? He's chosen a silent voice. It's on Netflix, uh, so available to virtually everybody. Um, I've heard some really good things about this movie, and he said he's seen it once already, and is really excited to revisit it. Um, I have seen that it has gotten very, very good reviews. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to watch this one. A little bit different. It is an animated movie. Wanted to throw... Uh, right? It, it is, is anime. Um, he said that he watched it with the English dub, which is what I'll be doing as well, and he said it was pretty good. Um, whereas sometimes yeah. you have issues with anime, apparently, where the English voices are not as good as the Japanese. Hmm. Okay, good. I'm absolutely going to do that too because I'm not reading. Not a chance. <laughs> just showing our diversity Um, though i like this i i'm a huge fan of the movie spirited away so i don't know how much this you will obviously be like that movie but like i'm definitely you know not turned off by the fact that we're kind of reaching out to some other form of cinema i mean i'm really excited about this actually agree do we want to announce our second person yeah, okay, so our second person of guest month is actually uh, our original guest, Ben. His wife, Amber, is going to be coming on for the second week of guest week. And we don't have a movie for, for that yet, but when we do, we'll let you know next week. And you know what? Of the 50,000 of you listening, there are still two open spots left in the February guest month, uh, unless somebody else has no okay so there are still two left um shocking like once in a lifetime opportunity because you're gonna look back and be like i was on the biggest podcast in the world at one point so um (laughs) get in now before you can't and we're too busy you know interviewing freaking quentin tarantino and greg marcus um but (laughs) you put those two (laughs) names together when when you think of cinema success you think of tarantino and greg marcus so maybe maybe we'll get his dad too 
Uh, wait, no. I think in the commercials he says his dad's dead, so it'll just be younger Greg Market. I probably just blew the chance of getting Greg Market on the air, but that's okay. Um, Jim, where can you where can you find us? As always, we're on all your standard social media sites, and we'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at weave underscore scene underscore that. You can like us on Facebook or email us at scene that podcast at gmail dot com. That's s c e n e that podcast at gmail dot com. I was going to not talk about it, um, but I had said last week I thought the Packers were going to the Super Bowl. They didn't go to the Super Bowl. That's all I want to say about that. Did you guys jinx them? <sighs> um, no, but I think that, um, you know, I'm just meant to never be happy with sports again. True. I think that's... <laughs> As I think it's Wisconsin just... fans, you know, you got one one year of, of love in 2010, and that's that's all you'll ever get in your lifetime. I guess I can look back on it 10 years ago and think at least I got it then. But uh, it just, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to happen again. I'm in a depressed state with sports, so all my eggs are in this podcast basket because that's the only thing I can rely on every week because I can't rely on anything else. Um, oh, and my beautiful fiance, I probably should say. But um, with that, that completes our, again, our 20th episode of the We've Seen That Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jim. And roll credits.